And we are looking at this book and dug into it and understood that this time period in Israel's history where things were getting darker and darker and people weren't serving God the way they ought to be. And we talked about how God had planned this book. And then we talked about nine different things that God was upset with that he mentions in this book. Um, and uh, we're going to continue in that theme. Uh, please keep this in mind. In our world today, there's this swing toward the idea, uh, especially publicly, that God doesn't care about your behavior. Okay, that God is just a loving God and allows us, he just wants us to be happy. He wants us to be uh, pleased with ourselves. Um, sort of this hedonistic mentality. Now, not heathenistic, but hedonistic, meaning uh, my own personal pleasure and myself is more important than anything else. And we're seeing that over and over in this world. And there are people who are declaring that that's how God wants, what's what he wants for us. If I feel this is how I should act, I should identify, things I should do, then that's what God wants for me because he just loves us. And uh, this book is centered and focused on the fact that there are some things that are upsetting to God. And we looked about two weeks ago, two Sundays ago when I was preaching, about the fact that God loves, but God also hates. There are things that God hates. And it's important as we as Christians don't lose that concept. There are a lot of people in a lot of Christendom, Christian circles, who have forgotten there are things, there are behaviors that God hates. And we need to be realizing that, that if we're going to please God, we need to realize what pleases him and what doesn't please him. Okay, and there are certain things that don't, don't please him. So uh, just to go down the list here, we're going to be talking about the bread here in a few minutes, and we'll read that verse. But just as a, by a review, I want to look at a couple of things before we read. Next slide. Maybe. Okay, God has some issues that he is upset with with his people. The first one was not understanding his love, and the second one was despising his name or taking the name of the Lord in vain. Um, so again, we talked about the fact that misunderstanding the love of God, that there are certain things that God loves, but there are certain things that God does not. Okay, and the second thing was taking the name of the Lord in vain. And we try to explain this over and over. I came up with another uh, illustration to give us concept on this, and it'll tie in later, so this is why. I'd... How many of you have heard of um, stolen valor? I mean, you hear of stolen valor, where somebody goes out and buys an army uniform and puts patches and pins and all kinds of, when they never served in the armed forces and pretend that they are a soldier? and pretend that they came home from Afghanistan or pretended that they fought for our country. That is called stolen valor. That irritates me so much. Okay, there are certain things in this world that I can let slide by. That one bugs me. Okay, why? Because they are representing themselves as somebody that they are not. Okay, and that is the idea of taking the name of the Lord in vain. It, again, has very little to do with cussing. Okay, um, it has to do with it because people have made it about that, but biblically, the idea is do not pretend to be something you are not. Okay, along the same lines, what if uh, I came up here and said, you know what, I'd like to give you a couple of quotes from President Ronald Reagan. You know, when Ronnie and I used to sit down and eat lunch together, he would tell me all kinds of wonderful stories, and, 
And here's the things that he would say. And I stand up here and pretend like I know Ronald Reagan and to pretend like I know that is the same idea. There are a lot of Christians in this world who put on faces like they know God and what God wants. That they have a relationship with God when they do not. And we need to be careful. And again, that's an understanding, and it'll come up in a few minutes. That's why I wanted to do this as review. All right? Because part of what a God is addressing is if you are my people and you claim to know me and claim to be one of my own, then you better not be using stolen valor. You better not be taking my name in vain. Don't stand up and pretend you are something that you are not. Okay, and that's the key. So let's go ahead and read these two verses together. We'll have a word of prayer and we'll get into the rest of this together. Ye offer polluted bread upon mine altar, and ye say, Wherein have we polluted thee? In that ye say, The table of the Lord is contemptible. And if ye offer the blind for a sacrifice, is it not evil? If ye offer the lame and the sick, Is it not evil? Offer it now to thy governor. Will he be pleased with thee, or accept thy person? Saith the Lord of hosts. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, we we thank you for your love. Father, we praise you for your mercy. Thank you so much for deciding before you created this world that you would provide a way that our sins can be dealt with and we can become back into that relationship with you as our Heavenly Father. What a joy. And Lord, because of that, we have the ability to please you. Lord, we can offer a praise and glory to your name today and give you the worth that you are due. Father, I thank you that when we understand who you are and Father, understand your sovereignty, your power, Lord, It makes us realize the privilege of being loved, but it also makes us realize there are certain things that you do not like. And Father, as we look at these things, we don't want to be down in the mouth about them. We just want to be able to make sure we're pleasing our Heavenly Father. What a joy that is. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would bless today as we look to these things, um, especially this idea about polluted bread. Father, uh, give my mind clarity. Thank you, in Jesus' name, amen. How frustrating is it when you go to the grocery store, you buy a loaf of bread, you bring home the loaf of bread, you put it in your bread box, and three or four days later, you go to make a sandwich, and you pull out a slice of bread, and it's got mold on it already. Anybody been there? Okay, the last couple of weeks has been awful with this heat. We've actually kept our loaves of bread in the refrigerator for now just to try to keep the mold down. Most of the time it doesn't matter, but it's like ridiculous. Three days later and the bread's got mold on it already. Now, uh, how many of you pick the little piece of bread off and eat it anyway? Yeah, I, I get the look because there's different people. There's people like, well, my wife probably. If there was the slightest bit of mold, forget it. The whole loaf goes in the garbage. Okay, uh, and they warn, please be careful, because if there's a little mold in there, it's not just one little spot, it's probably permeated the whole loaf of bread because it's inside a piece of plastic. Okay, but I'm the kind of guy where I just go, Boop, 
and then I'll just eat the sandwich. Okay, unless that thing is crawling green and it's nasty and everything, it's all right. You know, other people um, can find you know, just the littlest, tiniest piece, but it's frustrating, isn't it? When you have this thing that you want, and man, I'm telling you, you buy some beautiful honey ham with some nice, what is it, Hoffman Sharp cheddar cheese, and you pick some of the beautiful romaine lettuce, and, and, right, and you don't even touch that nasty Miracle Whip, and you get some good Hellman's mayonnaise, and you slather that thing up, and you get all, you're ready to go, and you put that bread together, and you go to take it, and there's a big hunk of green mold on it. You got polluted bread. And God is kind of giving us this imagery. I hope that gives you an imagery on what God's thinking when he says, uh, you guys are offering me bread, but it's polluted. Now, I, I want to dig into this a little bit and uh, just remind myself about my slides. Okay, offering polluted bread, defiled, desecrated, soiled, it's like moldy bread. And they say, how, what do you mean, Lord, we offer you? Remember I told you how much like teenagers this is? Well, when did we offer blue bread? Okay, and God says that the table of the Lord is contemptible. And I want to take a moment to just explain a couple of things here with this because there are commentators that go different directions. I want to kind of show what God's word kind of puts out for this idea. Next slide. The bread is mentioned almost 300 times in the Old Testament, okay? And just to give us some concepts about what we talk about with bread, with God's word, uh, one, it can reference our daily nourishment, right? We pray part of the Lord's model prayer, right? Give us this day our daily bread. It doesn't mean we are every day having something with yeast that has risen we've baked. It means our daily sustenance, our food, what sustains us, right? Um, it also can reference the table of showbread, okay? And that is where we're going to start nudging toward today, that when God says, listen, the table of the Lord is contemptible. Okay, we're talking about a time period in the Old Testament where this table of the Lord is referencing that table of showbread. And remember, we talked about that, that they would bake loaves and put them on this uh, table of showbread, not because God needed to eat a sandwich, Okay, but it was a remembrance that God provides their needs all the time. So they would put those loaves out to say that God is always providing what we need. Okay, and it was a way in which we worshiped God. Okay, and it also can reference actual bread. Okay, where you will see that you know, Jacob got together some, some vittles and with some bread. Okay, so there are several different ways we can look at this word in Scripture. I just wanted to make that clear. Now, as we go on, the altar and the table. Interestingly enough here, when you think about um, an altar, uh, many times, especially in Old Testament, our brains go to that altar that the sacrifice were offered on, that they were burnt. Okay, I want to qualify this because this is not exactly what this is talking about. All right, um, But in our church, we have in the past, we don't do it very often because usually folks aren't interested in it, but we call this the altar, don't we? We would have an old-time altar call. Anybody know what that is? 
gotten to the point where sometimes we don't do it enough that if you felt like the Lord was leading, touching your heart with something or you just wanted to come and praise Him or really you wanted to meet with God, people would come right down to this altar and kneel right here and pray. Now, is this really an altar? Okay, if it was an altar like an Old Testament altar, I don't think it would be carpeted and we'd be walking up and down it and have to vacuum it every day, right? Because the altar was someplace special. Okay, it is a place where you make decisions and commitments and praise and offer God things, right? So that's why we call this an altar. It's not, we don't, I've never sacrificed a lamb here, have you? Okay, although we call this an altar, in the scripture, uh, it's not always the actual brazen altar that God is referring to. And this is where this comes into play. This is talking about that table of showbread, all right? This is talking about God's providence for us, not necessarily the burning up of this bread. Um, If you go with me, I want you to see this. Um, Ezekiel chapter 41, verse 22. So Ezekiel is given a vision of the latter temple. And again, the temple and the tabernacle at the time uh, is where... God's children Israel served him, met with him, and um, he makes a comparison here, and I want to try to show something. Now, I will be absolutely honest in the fact that there are some conflicting thoughts about this passage. I don't want to just skip over them and pretend they're not there. Okay, many people will say that this was the actual altar that this bread was offered on when it says you have offered polluted bread on mine altar. Okay, there are others who will describe something else. So in Ezekiel 41, verse 22, look at what it says. The altar of wood was three cubits high and the length thereof two cubits and the corners thereof and the length thereof and the walls thereof were wood and he said unto me, this is the table that is before the Lord. So we're talking about measurements. Now, if you want to go back and look at it, these are not any exact measurements to go with the brazen altar. That was five cubits by five cubits by three cubits high. Um, this is not the description exactly of the table of showbread that was in the tabernacle. Okay, That had little different dimensions. This also has similar dimensions to the altar of incense. All right, so some theologians, some Bible students, gravitate toward that altar of incense. Okay, the problem being, neither the altar that is described as the brazen altar, which is huge compared to these measurements, or the altar of incense, um, we don't see bread offered on those. The only thing we find associated with bread in the Old Testament tabernacle and temple is the table of showbread. Now, please, you would offer fine, um, fine flour excuse me, on the brazen altar outside, but this is gravitating toward okay, that table of showbread. So you had in the holy place, you would walk in, you would have the candlesticks, the table of showbread, and you would have the altar of incense. Okay, this is the idea behind that. Now, I just wanted to head this off just because if you're going to go home and read this and do a little study on this, there are multiple ideas on what this might be. 
Okay, when you look at the dimensions that are compared in the different pieces of Scripture, there's some questions about exactly where we're talking about. The focus here is bread. Okay, and that's why I titled this morning's discussion about bread. You offer polluted bread on my altar. And then he says, and you say the table of the Lord is contemptible. Okay, so I want those things to, to kind of mesh together so we get an understanding of what we're looking at. Okay, look, look at you what it says, description of a table. Some will say this is the altar of incense, but no bread is ever associated with the altar of incense. The altar of incense only forever had hot coals and incense. So I can't tell you that this is probably where the bread was. Okay, this points mostly toward the table of showbread. Next slide. The... This is the place where the bread was displayed to remind Israel of God's providing. It also pictures the Lord's Supper. And we talked about that back in the book of Leviticus when we were studying this about the implements. But look at what it says here in in Corinthians. Ye cannot drink of the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. Ye cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and the table of devils. Talking about don't think that you're going to be all right with God sharing his holy communion if you're going to be living a life that is represented by evil. And God makes this communion, okay, the cup of the Lord and the Lord's table. Oftentimes, we will talk about communion and talk about the Lord's table, right? How many times when we stand up to share our daily communion, weekly, monthly, whatever it is, um, communion, that we say it is like sitting down at the table and looking your dad in the eye and having a good meal and a discussion about how life is. How many times have we said that? How many times have I said that it's important to eat together? How many times in the regular world, even outside of religious groups, will someone say, breaking bread? You ever heard that term? That's not just within inside the church. Okay, you'll meet with people and it says, well, let's break bread together because there's a special relationship when you eat with someone. Okay, that's that illustration. That is what this is all about. This table of showbread, this bread, this breaking of bread together. Okay, I'm not even going to look up all the verses that has to do with this. Look, go to the next slide if you would. You wouldn't offer anything corrupt or lame or broken. Uh, they just hired another 87,000 IRS agents. You better be careful what you're giving to the government because they'll find out. They'll come after you. You better make God is using this exact illustration. He's saying, listen, if the governor, if you were going to pay your taxes or pay what you owed, you think that he's going to accept something that's not worth what he thinks it should be worth? Okay. Get ready for the audit. God's saying, listen, you wouldn't even pull that with some of your governmental friends and leadership. Why would you offer polluted bread to God? Now I can take a step back for a minute and talk about certain things about God's church. Um, I'm not going to spend a long time on it, but why would uh, Christians come to the conclusions, well, I'm done with this at home. It doesn't do me any good anymore. I'll just bring it to church. Oh, the nursery. Well, this little Tonka truck used to have four wheels. It has three. 
we'll just bring it to the nursery and let the kids play with it. Why do we have this idea that we can give God something that's broken, that we're done with, that's no longer useful to us? Last time I checked, God wants our best, doesn't he? Not something we've worn out and used. Careful. Okay, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on that, but God is trying to give us this nudge that he wants our best. He doesn't want the leftovers. He doesn't want something that's broken and used. He doesn't want the blind or the lame or corrupt or, or something that's not functioning right. If you're going to give something to God, give something that represents how much he's worth to you. Yes? Okay, now I didn't tell you what to give, did I? Careful. But you grab them for their wallets or something. If you want to bring a Tonka truck, to cool, it's fine. You want to bring a matchbox, I don't care. Just make sure it represents what God represents to you. Don't give garbage. If it's going to be a Tonka truck, make it a nice Tonka truck. I don't know why Tonka truck came into my mind. Try to, I try to pick something generic that's not going to upset somebody. When's the last time you gave a Tonka truck? Okay, good. I didn't step on anybody's toes. We are, if God is as awesome as he is, and we love him as much as he do, we do, and we understand he deserves our absolute best, why would we give him anything else but the best? Okay, anyway. Governor wouldn't accept that, right? All right. Keep going. God provided bread to sustain his people. It was called manna. You remember? It was actually called bread of heaven. Okay, this is the idea. We're talking about this bread idea throughout the scripture. Now go with John, to John with me if you would, because I want us to get this idea in our minds. Just John. Sounds like I'm demeaning the book. Yeah, it's just John. John chapter 6. The whole thing, and guys, I, I think... By now, after studying the book of Leviticus for as long as we did, I think we get the idea that the stuff God established in the New Te Old Testament was to picture what he was going to do through Christ in the New Testament. Okay, so when he makes bread 300 times important in the Old Testament, that he's probably going to use that as some sort of picture for us to understand. Okay, that God provides bread. The table of showbread reminded us how much he provided. The manna from heaven as the children of Israel were wandering in the wilderness. Okay, angel food. Okay, coming down from heaven. And God provided for them on a daily basis. Okay, God was trying to remind us that he was providing for us bread. John chapter 6, you with me there? 31. I'm not there yet. 31. Jesus is speaking and he says, Our fathers did eat manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not this bread from heaven, but my Father giveth to you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which came down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. You hear what Jesus is saying there? He said, you know how God provided bread every single day for Moses? It came down from heaven to provide for you what you needed. He says, he who came down from heaven is that bread. Jesus is saying, I am. And again, keep, keep going on. He doesn't mince words. Then they said unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. 
He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. So again, as we're talking about this, and this polluted bread, and this image of bread throughout the entire Old Testament, we are reminded who that bread is picturing. It is picturing the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, he is the one that God chose to provide those things that we need. Can I get somebody to just blink an amen? Okay, somebody out there. All right. Let me try that again. Jesus came to provide everything we need. Okay, that was better. All right. All of a sudden, we're having a nice, cool August Sunday kind of sleep moment. All right. Understand that this bread that we're continually reminded of plays an important part in our everyday life. And that's the point. Oh, thanks, Pastor. Way back a couple thousand years ago, maybe some people put moldy bread on the table in the tabernacle. Wow, how does that apply to me? Well, number one, it applies to us because Jesus Christ is our bread. We need to realize that. Keep going with the slides here. Bread is also God's word. Okay, that's key. Now, Jesus, we understand, is the bread of life. He was the living word of God, right? In the beginning was the, and the word was with God, and the word was God. We understand that Jesus himself is the word. He says, I am the bread, I am the word. But we also have the written word, don't we? You all have a written word, don't you? Okay. We got good amens on the Jesus part, but also we talk about the Bible. Everybody goes, Pastor's going to talk about Bible reading. Yeah, I am. Okay. It also sustains us spiritually. And I didn't write down these verses, but you know how many times in the Old Testament where Jeremiah says, listen, I picked up the little book and I ate it. And it was to my lips sweet as honey. The Bible says in the Old Testament that I consider God's words more important than my necessary food. It, the word of God, is also the bread. Jesus himself said it, right? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Now put that in the context. Remember, this is a 40-day fast that Jesus is on. He hasn't eaten in 40 days. And the devil comes up and says, listen... Why don't you turn these stones into bread? I know you've got to be hungry. Isn't it interesting? And again, there's a whole other study we can put with this. He didn't tell him, why don't you turn the, bread into the stones into steak or fruit. He specifically said bread. So God continued this imagery. He said, listen, you can't live by bread. You can't live by just daily food that you put in your mouth and chew someone who is going to be serving the lord and interested in that life in a relationship with god has to have a spiritual sustenance on a daily basis you can't live by physical bread alone but you have to have the word of god so again keep in mind we're talking about polluted bread keep going many christians are starving spiritually What would happen to your health, to your weight, maybe some of us should try this, if the only time you ate is when you showed up at church 
And at 9.30, Dan spoon-fed you a couple of mouthfuls. And at 10.30, I spoon-fed you a couple of mouthfuls. And you went home and didn't eat until the next Sunday. We'd all be a lot thinner, wouldn't we? Do you understand the imagery? God doesn't let any, not one of his words is in the Bible accidentally or haphazardly or uselessly. He said, uh, what was Jeremiah again said, I did not let one word of God fall to the ground. When he talks about bread, he's talking about you and I need to nourish ourselves every single day. I told you I was going to talk about Bible reading. How's your Bible reading? Don't answer me. I'm asking you. How's your Bible reading? Because unfortunately, we got a, a bunch of spiritually weak Christians in this world because they are not sustaining themselves with the Word of God, with the bread that God's given to us. Okay? They are malnourished. They got spiritual anorexia. I tried to think of a couple more creative things to put there. Uh, you know, we need a good biblical buffet. I hope you're eating. I hope you're feeding yourself in God's Word. If we're not feeding ourselves, we'll become weak, feeble, strengthless believers. Wonder why sometimes Christians nowadays, it puzzles us why they say and do and believe the things that they believe. Why they allow certain things to come into their lives and they have no biblical basis. It's because they're not eating. They're too weak to fight. Don't be that way. Pray for me that I'm not that way. Boy, I'll tell you what, if reading the Bible was as pleasurable as a rack of ribs, I wouldn't have any trouble. But you know what? This old flesh who wants that rack of ribs, this old flesh doesn't like the Word of God. It resists it. But that's how i got to grow spiritually, is with the food that God has given us, that bread, that daily sustenance. Let's go. So how do you and I offer polluted bread? That's the question, right? We're studying something in the Old Testament. Pastor, what difference does it make about polluted bread? Well, if our Lord Jesus Christ is the bread, how are we treating that bread on a daily basis in our own lives? Right? The Apostle Paul made a very measured practice of referring to Jesus as the Lord Jesus Christ so often. I have a pastor friend that I listen to on tapes now and then, and he talks about, it must have been something that out west they use more often in some churches where he'd say, Jesus is not just your cosmic buddy. That's one of his favorite phrases, but you know what? Is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Now, remember I told you we talked about taking the Lord's name in vain because it's going to apply? This is right where it applies. If you and I are Christians and he is our Lord and Savior, is he our Lord and Savior? Or are we taking that name as a stolen valor? By golly, if he's our Lord and Savior, we better live a life that shows it. If not, is that bread polluted? Oh, yeah, I'm one of Jesus' guys. You know, I, yeah, he's cool. But six days out of the week, you couldn't tell me a difference between anybody else in this world. I just took my Jesus, the bread of life, and slapped an old piece of moldy bread out there as an example. 
He can't just be Lord a couple hours a week, a couple of days a week. If he's Lord, he should be Lord always. And that's how we should be representing him. I'm a Christian. Don't take his name in vain. Don't say, yeah, Sunday, he's awesome, he's great, I love the Lord. But on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, he's just an old piece of polluted bread. I don't care what he looks like. I don't care how I represent him. Careful. He's that living word. Next part. What about the word of God? Oh, too many. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, there we go. How do, we, how, how do we represent the scripture? We talked about he, the living word of God, is the bread of life, but we also have the written word of life. You can't live by bread alone. Every word that comes out of God's mouth is important. Pick it up, eat it, nourish yourself. But uh, how many Christians in this world, and again, preaching to the choir a little bit here because we try so hard in our church to preach throughout the entire Bible. We don't miss things. I'm sure Dan and I, when we get to passages of Scripture, would like to say, you know what, it'd be easier just to skip this verse. But we don't because we want to make sure we're covering all the counsel of God. But how many Christians in this world don't even know what God wants anymore? Because they don't spend any time in the Word of God. Okay, Dan is famous for this, not so much me. Dan is just famous, you know, just, okay. Um, where he'll say, please, today go home and read such and such. Why? Because it's not my job, it's not his job to tell you what to believe. That's what happens all over the country, all over the world. People are believing what they're told by somebody standing in a pulpit. Why? Because they're not feeding them own selves. Listen. I don't have a problem eating. You can ask my wife. I'm working on that. Help me. Okay. My body would be a lot better off if I didn't have so much investment there. But let me give you this encouragement. I don't care how much I eat. You'll never gain any weight. If I go out and eat at the buffet, it does you absolutely no good, does it? Come on, you understand what I'm talking about? I can't eat for you. Say, man, you know, that Trevor, he's growing so much this way, but he's just kind of skinny. You know what, I'm going to go out and eat an extra meal for him this week to put weight on Trevor's body. It doesn't work that way. All right? Now, I know that's a silly illustration, but God picks the easiest pictures for us because he knows we're duh. You and I need to realize that sitting, listening to somebody else talking about the Word of God is not going to help us to get nourished. You have to be in the Word of God. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. We have a messed up Christendom in Christian churches in our country and around this world because people don't know how to rightly divide His truth anymore. Because they don't spend any time in it themselves. They let a pastor, they let a, a podcast, they let something else feed them, and it's not the Word of God. As much as I'd love to tell you that what I'm saying right now is bread for you, no. What I'm saying right now is nudging you to get to the bread. I'm saying, ding a ding a ding a ding You know what that is, right? 
ringing the dinner bell. Dean and I get up every Sunday and say, listen, look what's here. Dig in. Feed. That's what we need to do. Next, Jesus warned us about bad doctrine in this very imagery. Matthew chapter 16, verse 11 and 12. How is it that you do not understand that I speak to you not concerning bread, a loaf of bread, that ye should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, then they understood that he bade them not to beware of the leaven of regular bread, but the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. God says, listen, Jesus is talking and he says, what I'm telling you about, be careful of the bread, cherish it, protect it. I'm not talking about physical bread, I'm talking about bad doctrine. But you and I don't know, you and I, we need to be careful. There's a lot of Christians who don't know what bad doctrine looks like because they don't have regular bread. Every bit of bread they're getting is polluted because it's not based in the scriptures. That is why please, please, please read your word. When you go home today and you say, Pastor was in uh, these couple of verses in Malachi, I'm going to read them. Good. Let God's Holy Spirit tell you what you need. Okay? And don't you ever, don't you ever, don't ever, ever, never, ever take what is said behind this pulpit as gospel. You take what's said in this book as gospel. Please. Um, you ever... All right, the example just recently in my house was a gallon of milk. Sitting there, pull it out of the fridge. Oh! And then why do we do this? We know it's gross, but we walk up to another family member and say, taste this. We already know it's disgusting. Why do we want to feed something disgusting to someone else? My point. If we're not in God's word and making sure our blue bread is not polluted, how disgusting would it be to hand a moldy, nasty, rotten piece of bread to somebody else and say, here, eat this. We ought to make sure we're studying. We ought to make sure we're in this book and we know what we are talking about, what God says. And anytime anybody stands in this pulpit or on a podcast or anything else that comes across your ears talking about God's word, you better make sure you're not getting a, here, taste this. I think it's gross. Go back to the book, please. Okay, last little bit. Adding, removing personal opinions, traditions, superstitions to the Bible if we're not careful, we can do the same thing. Guys, this is the verse that's been coming up in, in Job in our study for months. Speaking the truth in love. Now don't let those words slide by without thinking about them for a minute. It is important to speak the truth. But you know what? We can do it so obnoxiously and turn God's word into a sledgehammer and make judgments in other people's lives that we're not supposed to. Or we can go the opposite way, and we can speak love to everyone, but avoid truth. We have to have both. 
We have to make sure that with the pure word of God that we're talking about, we're presenting, is presented in a way that says, listen, this is God's best for you. We do. How many of you have opinions about God's word? Raise your hand, you do too. Okay? We all have learned things about God's word. Now, is always our opinion what God's word said? We're careful in the pulpit and say, listen, okay, this is speculation, I'm going to tell you. Or you might say, you know, God's word says there's uh, uh, absolutely no alcohol. Okay? How many of you have heard that before? Okay, that's not necessarily what the Word of God teaches, but if a person has that belief and they made that commitment to God, that's wonderful. But the problem is, even good, solid Christians can supersede the Word of God and start teaching their own personal conviction as doctrinal truth. How about traditions? A lot of good traditions, aren't there good traditions? Okay, we stand when we sing. So Matt stands up, and the first word comes out of it. He didn't even have to say, stand with us. We all, boop, just pop up. Okay? Is that a bad tradition? Yeah, but don't, that's not a Bible verse for that. You must stand in the, in the congregation singing that song. We have to make sure we understand that there are certain things in our lives that are opinions and ideas and beliefs and traditions, but they're not pure bread. Study to show yourself approved. No, now, here's the key. Here's the kicker. We are sharers of the word of God. So the living word is Jesus. The written word is his Bible. But you and I have an awesome responsibility in that we're supposed to take this word, this bread, and dole it out to other people. Yes? Our job is to take this bread and share it with everyone else. Is the bread we're sharing polluted? Now look, 1 Corinthians, I love this. I mean, 2 Corinthians. Oh, no, yeah. We are epistles. And you know what that word is, right? Okay, there's epistles written to Romans, the Romans, to the Ephesians, to the Corinthians. Okay, we're, that means a book. You and I are book. Read by everybody. We talk about the Bible says, ye shall be witnesses. That doesn't mean you have to choose to be a witness. You are a witness. People are reading your life, whether you like it or not, whether you think it or not, whether you believe it or not. You are a representation of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What kind of bread are we offering what are we putting out on the table for people to see remember that's what the table of showbread was the light shined on it and it was always visible what are you and i presenting next verse let the word of god or excuse me let me try that again let the word of christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. What type of bread do we show? And I didn't misspell that. Spelled it like the table of showbread. Okay? 
So our point today, when God is reminding a couple things that upset him, one of those things is, what kind of bread are we putting out? Is it old moldy bread? We're done with it. Oh, you know what? I've had this in the cupboard for a couple of weeks. I will just put it out on the table of showbread. God's not going to eat it anyway. We have an important time in this world, guys. We are at a place that I've never seen before. Now, I'm not saying it hasn't happened in history before, but I've never seen it. This country is in a place that I've never seen before. And if we need something more than anything in this world is we need Christians who are out there presenting God and His Word and our lives in the most pure, biblically-centered way that we possibly can. We need to make sure that the bread that we're putting out is not polluted, that it is absolutely what God expects of us, that we're not stolen valor, taking His name in vain, that if we're going to call ourselves Christian and the bread of life the living word, Jesus, is represented right, that the word of God, the written bread, is presented right, and that we, who are epistles, who are read by everyone, are putting out what we believe. God help us. I've watched these videos that come on TikTok and some other stuff, and people out there have taken Christianity and put it into a box that is not represented by what God wants. When they talk about that we're hateful and that because we think God doesn't like it when we sin, that that's just hateful against other people. Do not let yourself be put in that box. That is not what God's word talks about us as believers. But the problem is because too many times Christians, quote unquote, have put polluted bread out there, that's what the world begins to think. So, with that in mind, you help me, I'll help you. That's why we're in this together. This life that we live for God is something amazing. It is absolutely awesome. I don't have to try to be something I'm not. I'm exactly who God wants me to be if I would continue to be the person he, just walk in his ways. There's a whole other sermon I was talking about when I was praying with the guys. You know what a joy it is just to be happy? We don't need fame. We don't need money. We don't need to... This whole world is full of people who are continuously trying to find something to make them happy. You know what I like? My God loves me. He made me. He forgave me. That makes me happy. I don't have to, well, my bank account's not full of it. Well, who cares? Well, I don't get all the toys that everybody, who cares? Stop focusing on, and start focusing on who we represent. If we would realize that God loves us, who we are, and made us who we are, and if we try our best to be who he wants us to be, we can just live a happy life. Let's go out there and represent that bread the way it ought to be. Jesus, our Savior, his word. Let's pray.